Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 36. In this episode, we'll be talking about our hidden gem, the Common Potion, a beginner's guide to playing control teams, and wrap it all up by giving you a WKO Nationals Worlds update on what to expect and how to prepare for these events. So let's kick it off with our hidden gem and the common potion. Okay, guys, we are back with Ken Poole and Dr. J. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Fantastic. Doing good. All right, so we haven't done this in a while. I actually looked back, and it's been quite a while since we've done this, and that is our hidden gem, a card that, you know, some of us love to play, but... Other people may not have heard of it. And this one, I think it's either if you play a lot of D&D, you know what it is. But if you don't play a lot of D&D, you may not know what it is. And that is the Common Potion from the second D&D set. Yeah, from Fair and Under Siege. And it is Potion, Lesser Spell. Um, that's the one thing I like about the D&D ones is Lesser, Greater, Epic. You know what rarity it is. It, with that. It, I, it starts to confuse me when you get into the starter ones. <laughs> yeah. I like it because it's one of the few cards in the game with flavor text. Yeah. And so, and you, you may be able to explain this because I don't play D&D, so I might not know what the flavor text goes with it. But uh -huh. so it's a four cost bolt and it says during your opponent's next clear and draw step, they must name all dice drawn prior to drawing dice. One for each die they would draw all at once. Put any incorrect named dice into the use pile. And then here's your flavor text that says potions of Al's wisdom. I have no idea what that means. I, I don't but, exactly. But I, mean, I think it's cool. It's I mean, in D&D, &D, I would imagine it's a potion that increases your wisdom modifier. Because you have all yeah. these different stat modifiers, and so that probably just jacks it up, you know, one time. But I think it's great that they actually named the different potions, like the the uncommon is the potion of heroism, and the rare is the potion of haste, which gives them fast. And the potion of heroism like jacks up their their attack and defense stats, and so it's one of the few places in D in Dice Masters where you can actually find flavor text. Yep. Yeah, there's so, a little bit. It's cool. So, so who wants to start explaining to people why this card is so good and why it can be a thorn in your butt? Well, I mean, it, it obviously you have to... Your, it forces your opponent to remember what's in their bag and to accurately name it. Otherwise, they go away. In a draft, it's especially devastating. I know that in in draft, you're not always as familiar with your team, so you might forget what's in there or have a ton of sidekicks and one character in there. So you're hoping to get that character. You don't get it, so you end up sacrificing a sidekick because it was wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good just sort of thorn in the side kind of control definitely disruption type yeah. of card and, and w one thing we should remind people is that if you're actually that opponent who has to call out what's in your bag you can look into your bag prior to drawing you got to shake it up after yeah. or before you draw but you can still look yeah yeah and, you don't have to remember yeah. everything um but really like like what ken was saying if they have one character in their bag and seven sidekicks they're going to look in there and if they're smart, they're going to name the character in three sidekicks. Yeah, the last thing you want is to draw the character, yeah. and it, it immediately goes yeah. to the user. Yeah. Can, can I say, like, the last couple times I've played against somebody who's run this, that's what's happened. I've had, like, four dice in the bag, and, like, they play it, and they look at me expecting to see some panic, and I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And the next turn, I, this, this, and this, and, and they're like, you only had four dice in your bag. Yep. Yeah, the, yeah that's <laughs> the worst in the world is when you play it, and uh, and there's only four dice in your bag. You can kind of avoid that if you play it with the Beholder that has the global that lets you save a spell until you need it. So if you roll this and you look at you count up your opponent's dice and say they only ha they have three or four dice mm -hmm. in their bag, 
maybe you save it this turn, play it the next turn when yeah, they reload when their reloading, bag. Yeah, like, yeah, sucker. Yeah, so yeah. there's some other cards that you want to play with it in order to really bring it out. I think there was a in a draft, Ashley ended up getting like three of these, Ugh. and she was able to buy them. <laughs> so she was oh, basically man. getting one every turn. So it was like, all right, I have to name all of my dice every single time. And when you've got a full bag, most like, you get you end up getting one wrong. Like I swear, I, I I never if my bag was full, I never got it a hundred percent right, and I was always losing one die, which breaks ramp, which sacrifices that die. I mean, if it's uh, you know, if, you, if it's your if win it's condition a, die and you didn't expect to draw, if it's it. a win con that you weren't expecting to draw, if it's uh, any kind of character that you know you want in the field, there's so many things that it just totally disrupts. It's not. I wouldn't quite call it a control card because. It's got the variable, and there is, I mean, the the way around it is to know what's in your in your uh, mm-hmm. bag, and your opponent is able to do something about it if they have a good memory, and especially if they have really good bag control. Yeah, and but it can be so so disruptive. Yeah, and I, the one thing I want to mention to people is because when that when this that this set came out, I, everybody played it here. That was like one of the go to grab cards. Um, is that don't freak out. I think a lot of it is a mind game in your head where you're like, oh, oh yeah. crap, I need to name all this. So you just got to take a breath before you name. And it's like, wait, I can look into my bag. I can play the odds. You know, if yeah. I have four sidekicks in a character, it might be a good chance to name more sidekicks. But uh, one of the really fun situations is when, when your opponent looks, when you play it and your opponent looks in their bag and they go, I have one die in there. <laughs> and I'm about to put 14 in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good time. To play. <laughs> On the flip side of what you were just saying, KT, it is a mind game. And so if you bring this, even if, you know, it's not working for you every time, that's one more thing that your opponent has to think about. That's one more thing that is in the back of their mind. So it's going to take away from their strategizing about, you know, whether they're going to attack or defend or whatever. They're going to think, oh, I got to do that. And I got to remember what's in my bag and I got to call it right. And so it just puts oh, yeah. another level of stress on your opponent, <laughs> and, which is good for you. And you get it to work a couple of times, and you start really stressing someone and getting inside their head. Yeah. So, so not only are you distracting them, you're you can like I don't know, create mental breaks to some degree of just yeah, it, it's stressful, it's frustrating, it breaks your ramp, it can ruin your strategy. I mean, it it really can if it's played at the right moment and you get. The, and your opponent gets the bad draws, you can break their game right then. And if you if you do this a couple times, they're gonna get start getting a little frustrated, and they're gonna make mistakes. Like they they won't re-roll dice that they should have on their roll and re-roll step. I've done this tons of times when this, I play. This is part it. of your making people rage as your know, win uh, condition. You, you oh man, <laughs> you can get people so mad with yeah, just this I one mean, card. And that's not the goal is to get people to rage, but there is that element of the game that if you can get in their heads with this card, you can mess them up a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think this is one of the cards that they balance it well with the cost. Imagine how much this would wreck as a three cost card. Oh man, just, it would be out of control. <laughs> like it at four cost, it's strong. It's pretty pretty strong it really does it forces your opponent to concentrate on what they're doing and if they're not familiar with it you know too bad for them because yeah that first time it's going to blindside them and they're going to definitely get things wrong another another point i'd make is this does not stack so if you get two in the same turn you're only going to be able to use one so that's kind of the downside of buying multiple of them that's why again i'd plug if you're if you're in a draft or in a constructed event, take a beholder. So if you pull two of them and roll them, mm-hmm. you can save one for the next turn. And then it cu- keeps the pressure so, constant. Yeah, keep going. Um, I have to ask, Ken, are you kind of a little disappointed that this potion is not a continuous action die? 
it would be way too strong. <laughs> oh my, continuous oh my god! If it was a well, if no, it was like a continuous, continu- action, continuous at least you know until they're um, until the it, turn that I want them it, to it, have. Well, to until name their they stuff. they actually draw the dice, you know, so it would like, stay. That would be so good. That would be that, so. That could be fun. interesting, or or be able to save it until the turn that it's used. I think that would be. I think like, that would be yeah. awesome. Like just, be, able to, be able to sit on it and be like, "You're filling your bag next turn. Yeah. You got to name all your dice, and I will move this to the use pile." That would be I'm, pretty I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Really, I'm just trying to make your satchel team even more awesome. I know. <laughs> and what? I do appreciate if it was like, you know, if it was like a ten cost and it made your opponent name their thing every single turn, that would be. I feel like <laughs> at, at about ten cost, that starts to become balanced, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there if is... it was a persistent action and and continuous like that, it would be super broken. If it was anything lower than maybe eight, eight might be reasonable. There, there is one more thing that I love about the potion, and that is the die is clear and translucent. But something is weird with the die, where every once in a while you have one that has like this shattered glass. Oh effect. yeah, yeah, I They're have just one of those. Cracked, I love it. Like. Cracks running clear through it, and they look so awesome. Yeah. So if you're and and some of, a lot of them have a really cool. I mean, as as you see with most of the the clear or translucent dice, you can see a bubble in there. The yeah. bubbles yeah. in these look really cool. They kind of distort the little purple potion bottle. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just glad this doesn't have any attack or defense numbers because I am like when it comes to those clear <laughs> ones and it has like a dark color like that, I'm like I can't see what what he's when at. When people roll it, I'm just yeah. like, is that the action side or am I seeing the energy through that yeah. side? <laughs> All right. So, any last words of wisdom for our hidden gem? Um. If you're in a D and D draft, if you're in a uh, fair and under siege draft, and you see one of these, pick it up, play it. Uh, if you want to throw someone a curveball in a casual match, pick it up, play it. If uh, if you're running a lot of control, and if, especially if you can control some bag stuffing, it might work there. And I don't know. I don't know who controls bag stuffing around here. Actually, I, I think can, it kind of counters <laughs> bag stuffing a little bit because you are putting dice into your opponent's bag so they know what's in there. Part of it is like. You want them, I mean, if they have a full bag, yeah, just keep stuffing stuff in their bag. Um, otherwise, if their bag's yeah. empty and you stuff like three dice in there, it's probably not going to help you. Also, if you're playing in like a more competitive area and someone's bringing Professor X, he tends to counter this because then you can more often than not, your way people out are it. rolling almost their entire all yeah, their dice yeah. every turn. So yeah, that's that's kind of why I said like if you're if you're looking to play it in constructed like fully unlimited constructed you'd probably want to be stuffing people's bags so yeah. that at least there's something in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I would like to see this kind of ability reprinted on a Prime card. I think that would yep. be awesome. And that could be really yeah. fun. I also want to recommend to people is when your opponent has a potion, make sure it's this common potion. Because um, since here everybody played the common so many times, I've been burnt a couple times where my opponent has brought the uncommon or the rare, <laughs> and I've not realized that yeah. Yeah. Um, until they start playing. Like oh, the other uh, ones, the other ones can be really good too. But uh, yeah, this one it's just great yeah. disruption. That yeah. uncommon really potion, look at it because the uncommon potion is nasty. I mean, when you get it on a, a double burst side, it gives a plus five plus five buff to one of your characters. That's a big buff yeah. for a four cost oh, basic. Yeah. And, and the action. other one, get the the rare one, only costs two, and it gives a character fast. And if you get it on one of the bursts, it gives it to two characters. Gives yep. two characters fast. And like all of the potions are really cool. I like the uncommon because it ruined a few games for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's the funner one, definitely. Yep. yep. All right. So I want to. We want to hear from you guys. If you've guys played potion before, or if this is the first time you've heard a potion, shoot us shoot us an email, double burst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash double burst and ken speaking of control 
that's kind of leading on. So if you've played Potion and it's kind of giving you the taste, I want to play a little bit more of Control, stay tuned for our next segment where we'll give you a beginner's guide to Control. Okay, guys, we are back with Alex, the Brown Messiah, and the KO King. Hey, guys, I'm uh, back. I'm still alive. Yeah, Alex is alive. If you guys actually, well, you've probably been chatting to him. So, one thing that I don't think we actually advertise that often is if you're on Facebook, if you message the page, more than likely you're talking to Alex or Diego. Sometimes you'll get me, but more than likely you'll get Alex and Diego talking to you. So, you know, if you have questions on Dice Masters or just life relationships. Yeah, if you uh, yeah. you need somebody to talk to, you know, yeah. you can send us a nice yeah. little message. Yeah, we'll- you know. Chicken, we'll be there chicken recipes, anything, anything. skis, if they whatever. Have, if listeners have specific questions for some of us more intelligent players, they will also reach out to us. <laughs> Are you still here? We we do on sometimes ask ask the other members of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the reason why everybody's here is because we wanted to talk to you guys about control. So that that is a type you may have actually have heard us talking about this. Let's so like aggro control, and you may have these questions like. What in the world are you guys talking about? So we wanted to talk about the control aspect. Um, Diego, you want to explain what control is? So control is essentially a play style of um, of the game um, that you're piloting, and you're essentially trying to control what your opponent does and limit what, what your opponent does. Uh, there are numerous ways to do this, and it all really kind of comes down to your essential play style. But in the end, you're trying to stall out the game to, and allowing your win condition to come on the board. So that way, in the end, you're con- you you control them down and you can win the game. Yeah, through, through and that. like in, in kind of the spectrum between aggro and control. Aggro is, you know, that quick, let's keep punching, going fast, win as soon as we can. Control's almost on the opposite spectrum where let's slow the game down, get it ready for when I'm ready to win. And then we can. Yeah, and like one of the reasons we have Russ here is because Russ is really good at forcing the opponent to make a decision that they don't want to make. Bad decisions, too. Yeah, yeah. there's no good answer. Yeah, and plus he made a team called Death by Control, so I guess we should have him. Maybe we should mention it. (laughs) I also am not typically a control player. I'm normally like a Guy Gardner Rush player, but. Since Deadpool's most come out. difficult team ever to play, <laughs> I'm telling you, I cannot play Guy Gardner. <laughs> the, the, since Deadpool's come out, I've I've been more interested in control because of cards like Blind Owl that that have a lot of burn to them, and and so that's kind of the control that I've gotten excited about recently. Yep. So let, let's kick it off. Where do you want? Let's start with kind of what we call the old school control cards, where are the ones that you would normally see more in meta play. In the past, in the past couple of years, those cards. So, you w- should we start off with the King of Control, essentially, which is our two cost shield? Constantine. Yeah. Oh, Constantine. yeah. So this guy is my absolute favorite card, uh, other than Storm. Um, Constantine Hellblazer, and actually all of the Constantines. I was going to say out. the the three best two cost uh, control cards are Constantine, Constantine, and Constantine. Exactly. Uh, you have Hellblazer, which uh, blanks what your opponent is uh, going to field that turn. And um, can't attack. And it can, can attack. Which is very, big. very, very important. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the Constantine that allows you to re-roll basic actions, and then also the Constantine that allows you to uh, name a character, and if you pull that character, you field it for free. Mm-hmm. But Constantine is just amazing because he is a like he's two cost shield. His stat line is pretty decent. Um, it tops out at two three, but his and his fielding costs are re- really, really 
uh, low zero one one on all three all three sides, and it's just and he's just a solid. All of his abilities just do something amazing. Yeah, and if you listen to people when they talk about control control aspects, more than likely they're talking about this Constantine. Exactly. Yeah, the Constantine Hellblazer is definitely the staple control card from. The, year, the years of, of early days of Dice Masters. <laughs> yeah. So when I play Constantine, I like to pair it with something that I can obviously... You liking to pair things and K- combos? KO what? what my opponent feels. So basically I'll use that. I'll use Scarecrow is what I personally use. But if you can force your opponent to, for instance, keep fielding Bard, then they can never attack with that Bard and it's always blanked. Um uh, I think now the Beholder is going to fall into that realm. That Constantine really puts a stop to that. So it's kind of pairing it with something so they have to keep fielding it. It's not just like, oh, but it's only one turn. It's kind of realizing the evolution. If I uh, force my opponent to keep fielding that character... You've essentially put them in kind of this infinite right. loop of of bingo that they may or may not be able to get out of. And also just to add on to that, if they're, if they're trying to field a, a high costed character that has uh, sometimes maybe a three costing field or fielding cost that's that can be pretty detrimental to your to your either your buying power or just your general economy in the game as well right and that's where it really comes and i think he really started to show himself as a counter to gobby right because mm-hmm. gobby's a when fielded or when fielded and then he's gonna deal no damage so it's it's really this idea that once this is how I feel the game evolves in gameplay is I put the Constantine out there, then my opponent has to counter the Constantine, then I counter their counter, and they've got to counter my counter. And and that's kind of the way I see control. It's not necessarily like I'm going to put my characters in the field and I'm just going to start punching them in the face. It's I'll, I'll set things in motion by doing this, forcing my opponent to get off of their game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. Because like if they bring a Gobby and that's their win con, and you blank that with Constantine, well, then it it can't do anything. And so they have to have something else that makes you, you as the control player, decide which one you want to yeah. blank. Yes. And you can even actually, uh, just to move on to the next one, that adds insult to injury that, that I found a lot of success with is uh, adding, adding the rare dwarf wizard. Yeah, so this actually, going to Russ's point, that counter to the counter, mm-hmm. this is the one card that, took forever for me to wrap my head around mm-hmm. just because of actually how Constantine worked with it and how its ability would work against Constantine mm-hmm. um, in terms of fielding it. And I believe at WizKids, the way they ruled it is if you name Dwarf Wizard um, with Constantine, when you field it, if you don't, if you don't blank Constantine, you've essentially, bl- your Dwarf Wizard is blanked at that turn. Yeah. Correct, yeah, your Dwarf Wizard's blanked before it's fielded. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. It's just a really, really good way to lock. I remember one of the WKO teams that I ran. I ran both both of these two, and it was an extremely efficient way to lock to lock my opponent. Yeah, that's out. two uh, two out of their eight cards now mm-hmm. are potentially blank. So when you're thinking of control, I, there's an evolution in the game where everybody's just trying to get faster and faster. It's about that turn three kill. Uh, I think a lot of us the the play control look at it a little bit different. Is I want to figure out how I can slow them down because i you can only get so fast like mm-hmm. turn three kill is it and if i build a turn three kill and my opponent bur- turn three kill it's basically rolls and it's just a game of chance so so when i look at building a team i'm trying to control to elongate and i'm not saying make a two-hour game 
which we've had. I'm just trying Who's to slow it down. That? Me and Dr. J. I feel like <laughs> it happens often. <laughs> it's this idea of I just need to slow it down for to get to three get more turns. Right? I just need it three more turns. So. Well, and that's where cards like like Jinzo come in or um, Oracle, anything that makes something cost more. Yeah, a taxing. Yeah, uh, any any taxing ability, whether it's life or uh, more energy. You know those those really hurt you, and when you can't use all your energy to field something because you have to pay one more to field it, or you have to pay one more to buy it, you know that that just wrecks your economy, and yeah, and when, that's a, definitely when you, a part when you of, have that one extra energy. Yeah, am I the only one that just it bugs me? Where you have that one extra energy, I'm like I can't use it to field. I don't have any globals I can use. It. It's just now, just to to make a point about Constantine 2, I know we've talked a lot about it, but before we move on is that if my opponent, let's say, has four Serenas, I only need to make them field one, one Serena all of to blank all of them. So, you know, that's that's important to realize and remember, too. So, um, Going back to the whole taxing thing, some of the things that we can kind of look at this is uh, Oracle from uh, World's Finest. We can also look at... Your 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 boy over there, Lex Luthor. Yeah, Lex from, Luthor uh, from Justice, Justice League, League, man. You played that actions, two bossa. And it's not just it's, <laughs> there's it's, there's a Lex Luthor <laughs> from Green Arrow Flash also that mm-hmm. you name a name a uh, energy type and it costs one mm-hmm. more to coop, purchase and one world's more to field. Actually, world's, yeah, world's, world's finest. finest. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then also. There's and then and not and the oracle as well, not just the global one. All of the all of the oracles have Tax some sort, yeah, yeah, some sort of some form of taxation. And it's mm-hmm. it's very important to understand the taxing. It doesn't seem like much, but in a game, it can be very intrusive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think even more in the upcoming prime because we're not going to have twelve dice because you've PXG you know three times, so the tax isn't that much. If you have to decide, let's say you just happen to have four or five dice, depending on what you've done. I think five to six might be pretty common. So let's say I have six die, and I have to fill the two-cost filling character, but then I'm taxed extra. I may have just taken an, a turn away from my opponent where they need to yeah. decide, or do I field or do I purchase? You, yeah. If you use the oracle that costs one to use an action die, if you're using a ramp action, like you're now, you're you're negating you're now negating the, yeah. the ramp that you're gaining out of it. So. Yeah, um, and like like some of the things, because like even for an example for that oracle that costs one more to field, it may not seem like a lot, but then you're gonna get to that one time you draw four dice, you ro- you have three sidekicks in a character, you roll the sidekick level three costs three energy, four you can't field it. Essentially, you've just wasted that die that you. At roll. that point, you're gonna re-roll that side, that character yeah. and hope you get energy or lower fielding cost for it. Because I really like the. Uh, Venom is it Agent Venom or Venom from Civil War? That is, it's the common, so or the uncommon where it's cost one to field and then it does you one gain damage. one life. So oh, it's, yeah. it's, that's the Falcon, I believe. Is it the Falcon when you field cost one more and then you gain one life? No, uh, no, I think I thought it was. Venom. I thought it was. So I thought it was actually the uncommon venom yeah. that allows you to, or that whenever your opponent fields, right? It's the venom. Trick. Agent venom is what I paired it with with static. So I was doing all kinds of shenanigans, but it's that. oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> but it's that idea of you're taxing them plus you're gaining life. It's this, you know, idea of especially in prime. I'm going to say that fielding sidekicks is going to be a, a tool that some people are going to use to a to avoid uh, 
a stuffed bag. Mm-hmm. I speak for myself. I'm going to. Oh, I was do just that playing against like. Dr. J, and I had at least seven sidekicks fielded. Yeah, so if you if you have a situation where you have to pay, then it takes away that. Oh, I filled it. I rolled a sidekick. I don't have the energy, and now I don't want to pay an energy to fill it. So it really is taking away at least one die from that turn. So I th- I personally think the fielding sidekick tax is going to be big in mm-hmm. control. I think it always has been, but I think it can have its place. Even I more so in prime, I guess is is yeah. a better better way. Just since your our carpool so limited right. now, especially if you're playing against something one that's playing front line, mm-hmm. like they're gonna w- still want to pay the tax, but but it, it'll slow them down. That's what you're doing in control. Basically, like we're trying to do is add one or two more turns before they get what they really want. So I think the I think going off of that the next thing that you you go to is is in control is extending the game. Mm-hmm. So how do you extend the game? Cards like Lex Luthor, like Steve Rogers that negate damage, like Ronan, mm-hmm. um, things that that negate damage. And that's a real big part of control because you're you're going, okay, yeah, you attack with that 20-plus attack character, yeah, and uh, I'm going to take one damage. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll let it through. My Lex Luthor says, ah, thanks for the so, long damage. So here's an, and, here's an example of something I've been I thinking. was just saying, and not, and not only that, but also just you're finding a way to um, – but not negating, but also redirecting that damage. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. And stuff like right. that. Well, and then, and then you're, you're controlling bag flow because you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to let that through. That means it's now going to the use pile. That means they're not actually doing the damage they want. That means their win con is useless at that point. Right. So I know there's been a lot of talk about Bat Family with Prime. I think it's going to be good. Some people have been playing it for a while, right, KT? Mm-hmm. But it's actually a little more difficult than Prime because the problem is there's not a reliable way of knocking out a character, a very reliable way of knocking out a character right when you want to do it. I think you um, just. I think you just something to upset <laughs> yeah. the king. Around. Not as not as yeah. e- it's the not caveat. A, not yeah, as easy not as, as easy before. Because <laughs> using that using that green goblin makes it like dirt easy. Because you got to just make sure you have that bolt. Yeah. Now you got to time it and plan it a little bit better. I it, guess. <laughs> but so Russ has plenty of ways so to KO his own Carmen, Carmine Falcone, <coughs> rare. They can only attack with one bat family. Per turn, yeah, that that's just gonna so ruin that things. paired with a Ronin, I've now controlled my opponent when they attack. I can just that one character that they can attack with. I'm just gonna or, negate it with or the, the Ronin. uncommon Lex Luthor that the first source of, or the first character to damage you is reduced to one. Right. Yeah. So. I was gonna say if you if if you have that uncommon Lex Luthor, you I I've been one. You guys know that I've been saying this a lot. That I think that the two energy fixtures you'll see mostly a lot in Prime are Merlin and Gorilla Grodd because they are both um, unblockable, unblockable by. Yeah by uh, anything but crossover characters. Right. So and if you have that Lex Luthor, you're just going to negate any unblockable damage that's going through. And that yeah. goes into one of my new favorite control characters is Modoc mm-hmm. Common, I believe, that, that your opponent can't spin. Spin or re-roll outside re-roll. of the roll right. and re-roll step, yeah. And originally I didn't think it was much when I read it. I didn't even really think much of it. And then I started realizing all the times in your turn, if you're really manipulating your die, how, how often you're either spinning down or re-rolling. For instance, in WKO, I think it's great for 
even in uh, you know WKO competitive because yeah. I take it, away if anybody's uh, like say using the atom they can't use right. his ability because he can't spin it down or uh, parallax or mm-hmm. yeah parallax you know, is all a good those one. things that, and then back and I then take away yeah like you said to the, back to those energy fixers you can't spin your sidekick and, in them and it, mm-hmm. and unfortunately it hasn't been ruled on but this is how I'd rule it I wouldn't be able to use scarecrow because he says he spins to his energy unless side you pay an then, energy yeah. right unless I and energy and then I so it's not just a simple KO he he spins but there's lots of little abilities that he'll control that until you get in gameplay I don't think you realize how much he can hamper and especially the energy fixers Mm -hmm. because I think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to use energy fixing characters because as Brown would say I said there's you know good abilities to match it's not like I'm just using it for the global I'll I'll bring the global the actual and then the is. character is good. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the last thing we need to talk about in control is is what kind of win cons do we have and and like my personal favorite is is kind of the burn team. Like yeah, how you, you burn, them burn them down. down. Yeah. So I've I've storm. been building my <laughs> the storm is great. The rare like prime mm-hmm. thinking about prime like blind owl she deals one damage every time she's dealt combat damage. That means that they don't want to attack. That means they don't want to block. Like you're you're now controlling them because they're like, oh, it's going to hurt me if I do this. Mm-hmm. The storm. If you use an action die, you do one damage. In this format, it starts you're adding be up. Using, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to be yeah. using a lot up. of a lot of uh, if you're using basic action. If you're using like any sort of churn basic action or anything that allows you to churn and you're able to get into those actions a lot yeah. quicker. And, or let's say you're using an oracle. I'm not saying this has happened to me before, but you're using an oracle on your field and you just happen to have Dark Avenger on your team. You can start whittling away slowly with a Dark yeah, Avenger. Yeah, I wonder almost. when that happened. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> was Somebody's, that us? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was us. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I will say this. It's important in a control team to have some kind of win condition. I've yeah. been yeah. in games. Where you've built like pure control, but then right. you can't win because all of your control characters like one or two Even attack. sometimes just having a big huge beefy beat stick like like bizarre like the rare bizarro from world's finest just having just being able to get that guy out and if your opponent has at least one or two globals on their team that's an extra plus four plus four and he has overcrush if he's on level three that's 12 he's a 12 uh 10 or something at that point like that like he's and he's got overcrush like your opponent is not going to want to take 12 damage directly so they're going to have to block it so so on my current control team one of the aspects of it is a lot of the control characters in the newer sets are have really big defense and low attack well there's a a card in this set that flips defense and attack Mm. and that's the kal-el um, the other thing Kal-El does is you pay a shield, you add plus four defense, and that stacks. Do that a couple times, flip his defense, you now have a 16, you know, 18 character going through, and uh, and if he's blocked, you just leave him. And if he's unblocked, you flip that defense. Um, One of the best control beat sticks that's very, very overlooked is Blue Eyes. Yeah, nobody buys it. He is. Yeah, if I KO a character, he's plus three. So on level level three, I think it is. He's ten. You know, and that that for me is a card that is control. It's on a lot. Let's be honest. It's on all my competitive decks that it's allowed on, and it has won me games against good rush speed teams because 
I have no other choice but to go to this 10-cost character, and I got to try to be faster, yeah, or 10-attack Yeah, and I just looked up. His stats are 6, 7, 8. So you're looking at uh, 9, 9, 10, 11, 10, 11 right. attacks. So if I had that as an example, if I have him in the field and a Scarecrow in the field, I KO my Scarecrow to give... Uh, blue eyes plus three take control of my opponent's character that may right there be enough to win the game mm-hmm. so don't don't overlook some of the things that we just throw on teams because we're used to really try to understand the, I think it, the it, it's good, good advice when you're especially when you're talking about competitive is when you put cards on your team they should serve more than one function there's yeah one, absolutely that, like that's why the Kal-El fits on my team so well because it not only does his global do what I need it to do but him as a character itself, as long as I'm not playing Dr. J's stupid doomsday team, it works perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and kind of speaking of Dr. J, bag stuffing is another thing don't overlook because that, right. that can hurt you. Oh, I, I, my favorite new combo for bag stuffing, I love to s- stick Agent Carter with static. Uh, Agent Carter common, when a sidekick is KO'd, it goes to the bag. And then static. So when my opponent rolls, I'm just stuffing their bag back with sidekicks. Yeah, and so you're drawing four sidekicks, and your characters are just waving at you from right. the use pile. As yeah. somebody let's, who put, let's not get too into that since we're doing a whole topic yeah. on that yeah. most likely next week. <laughs> yep. So yeah. um, I would like to mention just one other thing, just as as a control player, get into the and, and actually not even just as a control player, just a player in general. Get used to counting your opponent's dice. Remember what they buy, and remember when they're KO'd, and when they go into your bag, because um, when it comes to bag stuffing, uh, Constantine, anything that you have to, mm. any time that you have to name something, it's going to be beneficial yeah. to you to pra- Don't pra- forget to pra- name with Constantine. Yeah, practice yeah. doing it. Like, my recommendations are whenever you build a team, try to clear Lockjaw, Alyssa Drac, or a Constantine just so you can get into that habit of trying to figure out what's gotten in the bag. Because, like, Lockjaw has given me tons of practice of being able to figure out mm. what my opponent has in their bag. And there are different kinds of control in general. I know, uh, Brown was you play awesome with Storm. You really control what your opponent can field. Eh. Uh, <laughs> it's always tough to How play when you play each other. For me, I like to punch myself in the face. Like, Everything that I do, I just like to figure <laughs> out things. My opponent wants to KO my characters. Yeah, didn't like you? Didn't you learn characters. from that that childhood prank of "Don't hit yourself, don't hit yourself"? <laughs> it works though. Yeah, yeah, it um, works though. If, so you're not I, draw, if you're not drawing a diagram with with, <laughs> with us, you're just not doing it right. But I, it takes the power away of what my parent, my opponent wants to do. For instance, I use Superhero Registration Act, but I really want them to ask, "Do you want to KO a character?" Right, so it, it kind of balances that out. It's not as simple as just saying, oh, this is going to give me ramp. This is going to give me ramp, and it could possibly have this other effect where I could take control of their characters you're, you're or You're the damage. reason why that I do it. I just realized that. So every time I play a superhero registration act, I ask my opponent, do you, do you want to KO a character? Sometimes they don't even have anything on the field, but I've just realized from playing you that I've just got into the habit of saying that after every time I play it. <laughs> Also, so. I think it just comes down also to having having good decision making. Um, be aware of what what is on the field, especially when you're playing control. Yes. Because if you're not aware of what your opponent has and you're not aware how it interacts with yourself, you can make one bad decision yeah, you, and it you, completely you literally destroys now your game. at that. If you're playing a control team, you are playing dice masters chess. Mm-hmm. So you got to think a couple turns ahead. Um, before you make your decision, because that may impact something down the line. Yeah, yeah Diego and sure. I have talked, and I think we all agree, but we specifically talked that I, I personally believe that 
what you pull out of the bag is more important than a roll when you're playing control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Uh, Definitely. 100%. <laughs> I mean, PXG is great f- for ramp. We all know that. But more importantly, I use PXG so I know exactly what I'm getting and when. So it's this control of my, my own bag. when we're, And that's good for everybody, but specifically control because you want to know exactly what's going on because you have a lot of decisions to make. It's not as easy as just throwing out Guy Gardner and attacking. That being said, I'm not saying that's not difficult because Guy Gardner, for me, I can't do it. Alex can attest to that. I, <laughs> ten, I, ten games in one night, we played mirror matches, yeah. Guy Gardner, and the only game Russ won, I had to walk him <laughs> through every turn. So it's just kind of a different mindset, but, but really anything that you can use to, to help that that control of that bag. And and Diego does it very well. He does it great. Um, and we played in a prime event. The only thing that stopped him from really kicking my butt in a game is I got my uh, sidekick stuffing uh, – action going with agent Carter yeah, that was slowed him that wasn't down. frustrating at all I, I think one more one more card that i want to mention that that i've been looking at recently and played with a little bit tonight was the felicity smoke that allows you to have an extra reroll step mm. like even just adding that to your team you know that that gives you one more option to control your own fate and so that's mm-hmm. something like that's important on a control team where you really do rely on Maybe you, you want to try to be time. as consistent as possible mm-hmm. all right anyway so um speaking of kind of setting up your teams into mindsets aggro control um we'll be giving you all we'll bring everybody back and we'll be giving you everybody a update on the wko and what to expect Okay, we are back with the full crew. We have Ken Pohl, we have Alex, the Brown Messiah, Dr. J, and Russ. How are you guys all doing? Excellent. Good. Well, yep. So, of course, we I think all of us have had at least some WKO experience. So what we wanted to do is give you guys an update on what to expect at your local WKOs. I know we, ours is coming up next month. Um, pretty soon, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But before we jump into that, WizKids actually announced some pretty big news this week. Is They announced the prizes and the date for both Nationals and Worlds, um, which is pretty but the, cool. But there's not any good prizes, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so At least one of them is worth nothing but toilet paper. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, who, who wants a foil Hellblazer or a foil Green Goblin? Yeah, nobody wants or that. A foil Scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Everybody should want a foil uh, scarecrow. And uh, and actually, a future hidden gem is a Punisher War Journal. That will be a, one of those. Um, so no th- one here plays that. It's a dumb card. So yeah, it's also toilet paper. Yeah. So in addition to the prizes that you can win nor- normally at the WQAs out right now, those are in addition to that. So you're getting that and some. And the higher you get, you get the stuff below it and whatever's at that level. Where the and, and Nationals is the top person's going to get a factory set um, of super... I think it's super rares. It just says most recent factory set available, so I don't know if it's super rares or the full set. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be super rares or um, the full set. They've done super rares for all the WKOs. Yeah. It's, so. a, it's a full set of super rares from Deadpool. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I don't think it would be for Deadpool just because it would well, be for, most for recent For Nats set. and World, it's going to be whatever's most recent set. Yeah, whatever. For oh, WKOs right, 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 right. right now, it's Deadpool. Yeah, that's right. So that's kind of Big news. Those are the big news in terms of it, and I'm double checking to make sure the world championship what the world championship wins. Um, A thumbs up. I am really 
just just really quickly, I am really excited that they are foiling out um, Constantine because, as you guys know earlier, I said that he's like my second favorite card in the game. So I'm really really excited. I just feel like they hit it out of the park with these prizes. Yeah, I just, I just want to win the Scarecrow and like play it every time I play Rust, just so we can stare at it. Just put it in like yeah. one of those uh like flat plastic upper deck. Uh, Cases or you know the, sleeves, the hard, the hard, hard sleeves. sleeves, and then just put it in front of them and say, I, "Hey, this is mine, and you." If can't I don't use win it. it, I figure I could probably pick up that Constantine for what twenty bucks, twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, you might be able to get it for ten actually yeah. if you if you bargain. Um, but I can't imagine so, it'll go for very high. Yeah, so I check, I double check for the world's champion. So when you get that, you get the full factory set. You get a qualifier for next for two thousand eighteen, the year after for worlds. And this is the cool part: you can design a dice masters card. Whoa! Yeah. Can yeah. we finally have a That's Sue Storm cool. then? I I just want one with my picture. Probably on not. It, so. No. <laughs> so so design? Do they mean you get to like I think choose the it, artwork? I for think it's it? the might be the ability um, with it. So you could make a really cool card that you want, or you can make another yeah, didn't, bard. Didn't last year's winner they designed what was it? Razel, one of the Razel Ghouls. I, yeah, I think possibly, it was yeah, it was rumored that, that it was Raz, one of the Razel Ghouls was designed by the world's winner. But wouldn't that be cool? Being able to you're you're literally part that of Dice awesome. Masters. That would be that really sweet. so sweet. Just uh, as long as Russ doesn't get to design that. I it's good, it's, it's going to be like when Fielded KO all the K- things and KO, trigger all the KO things. everything. No, no, it will come with a binder of how to <laughs> use the card. <laughs> it's like, why is that card so thick? Well, here's page one, and then here's page two, page three. Just keep flipping through. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the side events are you have different prizes, too, that you get, um, as I can go to our notes. You There is uh, the Venom symbiotic or- organism that's a foil and the half-elf bard. You know, that one that is also becoming a full version. What, what is the ha- half of Bard? <laughs> uh, Messiah, what is that card? Yeah, I think not, I've seen you yeah. play it quite a bit. His name is Half Elf Brad. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's in addition, again, to the other side events of um, things they had. What is cool that um, I think is interesting that they've changed is the qualifiers for the World Championship. They're doing a point system now. So it's going to be. Unlimited um, constructed and single elimination. Once you have eight players, they'll fire off, but you get points, and I think you have to get eight points to be able to qualify the world. So I think the top place winner is going to get eight, second place gets four, and then anything below that doesn't get any points. So I actually really, I didn't know about that, but I actually really like that. Yeah. So, I, so how do you get points? W- winning the the qualifier round. So oh, if you okay. win the whole full thing when you're in the in pods of eight, right, you get in automatically. But say you got oh. second twice in the, in two different pods of eight, you still qualify for it. That is so cool. So I, I I like that because it kind of gives people a little bit more of a chance instead of just oh you top eight get it in, in one go you know yeah so those are kind of the quick updates it's all of this is going to happen at the origins game fair at june 16th through 17th some of us actually plan on being there so if you see mm-hmm. the, some of the double burst guys please come up say hi um say dr j is wrong just you you don't even need can, to say can we make reason. t-shirts that just say dr j is wrong <laughs> If you guys want to r- walk around wearing lies all over the place, that's fine. I, I think he's, he's just happy that he has a T-shirt that says Dr. J on it. So, But anyway, so, oh, what, what we wanted to – so one, one, one other note is at Origins, you do have to have a pass for the show. So make sure you go check out the Origin, Origin Games Fair's website to figure out which pass will fit best for you because it's a full gaming show. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to go wander around. It's a pretty sweet convention. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a blast. All right, so but what we wanted to talk to you guys about is kind of an update from what we've seen between the last sets of WKOs and the ones that are coming up in the winter and possibly, you know, a little bit of a look into 
Worlds and Nationals, we do still have a couple more sets coming out, so they may change. Yeah, the the WKOs that are coming up are one of the easiest ways for you to get into the national championships. That's for every eight people who attends the WKO, they give out one invitation to nationals for the top players. Yep. So where do we want to guys start in terms of this update for the, the WKOs? Well, I think the Beholder team is going to be seen quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I so think do you guys want to explain what's what the mechanics of the Beholder team? I know there are slight variations to it, but the basic idea on how it works. Basically, on turn three, they're going to attack uh, and use all four actions. I think it's the... Is it lesser or greater aberration? I think it's, it's master, 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 master aberration. aberration. So they could use all four basic actions, and they use typically imprisoned and frontline. Mm-hmm. So they are going to capture everything of yours and hit you with plus three for everything. What are, what are some of the counters that we've been talking about this week? Okay, so so my counter to this is kind of may seem a little off the wall, but I've been, which is shocking, I know. What? Okay. Yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> so it's going to be hard to have a character in the field that has stats over zero. It's going to be hard to use anything of that nature. The one thing that I think you have the ability to do is use the basic actions, right? They need your basic actions, so they have to do it. So uh, I'm thinking oppression begins is a good one because they either have to use all or nothing. Beholder only has one side with a fielding cost. So if they go around using the actions, they'll KO their, hopefully their Beholder and everything else that's going through with Frontline. And then if I have Star Labs, I could... When priorities passed, after they've done attack, I can block that beholder. So that's kind of what I'm thinking is that your actions, your basic actions are what's going to stop them from being able to just unload that beholder. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, end of days was another one that would be a good idea. Um, you know, it, it KOs everything except for one on both sides. So in theory, you should have one to block the one that they have. Um, and with that, like how you were playing with Scarecrow against me the other night, um, that might be a good one. Then you KO your Scarecrow with end of days and you get to get to take their beholder. Something that I think um, is important is in the last round of WKOs, I noticed that there was much less Bard, much less Professor X. People, I think, were kind of in this mindset where they were protesting the meta a little yeah, bit. Yeah, almost no Vicious Struggle, too. Yeah, and so I think Vicious Struggle kind of kicked itself out because it's so much chance people aren't willing to take that to a highly competitive event yeah, anymore. That was a gimmick build that worked the first time. Yeah. And Now everybody that, knows how to if, play it. If yeah. I see you with Vicious Struggle, I'm going to yeah, buy your Vicious a, Struggles. Now it's a off. coin flip, and the odds of you winning a coin flip eight times in a row is, is not good. So they've decided, I think, not to bring it. But... I think with the advent of PDC Prime, you're going to see more highly competitive decks at at WKO than you did last round. Because last round, people were just kind of like, I don't care if I lose this thing. I'm just going to play what I think is fun. Now that PDC Prime's out, people are going to be like, okay, the WKO is where I go. I want take, those sweet, sweet shinies. Take a yeah. Bard team, take a Beholder team, whatever. Use Prime as the more creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Plan on seeing some bards. Um, maybe even throw one on your team. I usually would not say that, but since WKO is kind of the... Uh, if anything, I recommend yeah. you play it once or twice so you can understand it, understand yeah. being on the other side. Yeah, I and mean, it is the one card in the game that instantly buffs your team 
to a to a competitive level, no matter what your other seven yeah. cards. And, well, and, and, and prize support is just it's worth winning this time, like for sure. Like is leaps and bounds better than what it was yeah, before. Yeah, can I say that foil prismatic spray looks sweet. Looks so I, beautiful. I was going to say uh, on that note though is also if if you know you you're looking to uh, understand these other meta teams, play like like you said play them, understand them and play them f- fully so that way you know, okay, well this is this is how a control ring team works. They need to do this and they need to do this. This is how a controlled bar team works with these different variations. And just and really immerse yourself because like Alex just said, the prizes are a lot like very very worth it this time and they are you know i am gonna work my hardest so i can get that constant because i want that constantine really bad yeah like we've been saying like diego just said you know your the counters to your own team better than anybody so and playing, if you don't practice more yeah so yeah and if you don't practice more but playing a bard team you'll see what some of those counters are and you'll know what you might want to put on your team in order to counter it don't always look at the low-hanging fruit as a counter a lot of people will look at speed. How can I outspeed it? Um, like I said, my approach to that beholder is I'm going to put basic actions that I don't care if they KO all my characters because I'll have an X-23, so that basic action actually helps me because when I go to attack, I want everything wiped out of the field anyway. So it's this idea of think of another approach. It's really hard to outspeed a beholder, but... I'm not saying for sure the basic actions are going to work, but if those basic actions are detrimental to them attacking with the beholder, you've eliminated that ability from the game. I would I would also say like don't feel bad about playing anything. Like a lot of times we yeah we feel bad about oh I don't want to play Professor X I don't want to play Bard. You you are now entering the realm of the cream of the crop, the people who are going to try their hardest to get that number one spot. You need to be in that same mindset because everybody else is, and that's the only way you can come. Yeah, like when the football teams are playing for the the World Cup or whatever it's called, World Cup. (laughs) I don't even (laughs) (laughs) technically technically football there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Technically, football does play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even sprout well, and I knew that was off. (laughs) No, but we're talking about real football, the one you actually play with your feet. When they play for the World Cup, they put the guys in that are going to win the game. They don't put the second string. They don't put the third string. They put the guys in that are going to win the game. So don't feel bad about what your team is. Even if you beat everybody in turn three and you leave some kid in tears, like this is high competitive and it's what it is. Be nice to the person, but wipe the floor with them. (laughs) I'd I'd like to say one thing too. At the WKO, there is one big tournament that where everyone's going to be playing the highly competitive teams. There's a ton of side events that that's not the case. You know, they have drafts, they have little semi-constructed events where you can test your teams to see how they'll do in the WKO. And the prize support for that is still awesome. So don't be tons a, of fun. So don't be afraid of going to a WKO or say, you know, I don't want to play a super competitive. Yeah, if you don't do the main event, event, do the side events. Yeah. I mean, fun, I, yeah. when I went to Colorado, I we played five or six side events. And that was the that was the highlight of it for me. I mean, the end tournament was just kind of like one more tournament, and I got in the top eight. I didn't win. I didn't feel bad about it because I spent the whole weekend playing Dice Masters. Well, and the side events are way more social. You get to talk with who you're playing with. Like you don't have to be in the zone the entire time. For specific cards to look at, I think uh, Cold Gun. Do not underestimate Cold Gun. And I know I prefer the rare, which blanks text. I think that's very important. But if you don't have that, the uncommon is mm -hmm. still fairly good. Right. And if you have a blue eyes for purchasing whatever you're using, 
if you have something to KO, do not forget Scarecrow. And I, I know I <laughs> preach it a lot, but it is the one card that I can transform my team into what my opponent has. So and so saith the KO king. Hey ye, hey ye. I, I will also say the there crow. is there tends to be two trains of thought on teams. Uh, so many people will keep their team secret. Uh, I prefer not to do that because the more that I get my yeah. team out there and help people see my team, the, the more, more you get input, I get the more, you all know. the counters to my team, yep. and I can fix it. That's why I'll, you know, we're going to do a brew session here. We'll get that advertised on Saturday night, that kind of stuff where people can come and we'll work on teams. Keeping secrets to an extent, I, I think, you know, a little play, a little move here or there. But in general, if you can find the counters by people playing it, that's the way to go. Well, and like day of some of the tactics that, that Kenneth's used before is using just alternate art cards so that you might look across the table and go, what, what is yeah, that yeah, again? The, P, the, the, pro, the promo PXG that came in the Uncanny set, mm. that threw me off for a while. The, the blank red dragon. That one's kind of that. That one can kind of throw people off. <laughs> I love that. Just take blank art cards and make them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've I've brought blank art cards. And people are like, wait, what is? I can't I can't see the picture. I can't read the words. I can't tell what that is. And if they don't realize that's a Professor X on the first turn, boom, you just got an advantage on them. A one turn <laughs> leg up. That's happened in so many games. I've either watched or been a part of. <clears throat> All right, so guys, um. We're getting kicked out of here, but any kind of quick last pointers about WKO and the updates? On we mentioned it a, a few weeks ago or a month ago, whatever, on one of our episodes when we talked about uh, tournaments. If you're going to plan a WKO, be prepared for a long day, a long, stressful day of Dice Masters. Okay. I, would, I would, as a little point of um, advice to the, the tournament organizers for WKOs, when you're doing side events, do them the day before the main event and after you've cut to top eight or whatever because people still want to play and see how the tournament ends up, but they want lots of time to do side events. Don't hold them on the same day as the tournament. Hold or a, plan for them. Yeah, yeah plan, plan for a bunch of them to be before the tournament, probably the day before, and people are going to show up and they're going to love it. I think one thing to remember when you go to a WKO is only one person wins. And so if you don't win the whole thing, like don't feel bad about yourself. Don't feel bad about your skills. It could have been one bad draw. It could have been one bad roll. So just remember that only one person wins. I hope it's you, but I also hope it's me. Keep your head in it. I will say this. The last time I came with that controlled by death, I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many hours Ken and I practiced our teams. It was... I knew that team inside and out. I happened to have two really poor draws games. So I think I started the day 0 and 2. Yeah. Uh yeah, just yeah, well, you yeah. gave me my don't only get, one win on that day. So essentially don't get down on yeah. yourself. Right. Your when you this specifically, you came out and we played game round 2 and you 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 seem pretty pretty down on yourself and I you know I just like dude, just you'll you'll bounce yeah. back, just keep at it. And and you know it's a, it's a dice game and it's luck, but you still have to make the right decisions. And you and if as long as you believe in yourself and as long as you have that affirmation of like, okay, I can let's do go this, get this, right. you'll bounce I, back. And yeah. and you ended up beating me in top four. So right, I ended up coming. I played Michael Plum in the best of three and lost in turns at the end. Still, let's say not that's another better, thing. Maybe. Practice practice yeah, your practice. five turns. Yeah, mm -hmm. practice, practice your five, your five turns because you may not run into often in your week. Your normal weekly events, but this is something that may come up, especially when you've cut to top eight. 
Yeah, and and if you're not familiar with uh, playing competitive in tournaments, really go back. I think it was uh, like three or four one, episodes ago. Yeah, we we have we, we have some really, tips there. We really talked a lot about uh, just playing tournaments. So yeah. look at that double burst episode. Yeah, we also have a segment in one of our older episodes that talks about doing five turns too. So you may want to go pay attention to that. So guys, thank you so much. They're seriously kicking us out right now, so we got to go. But if you guys have any questions or any tips about playing at the WKO or Nationals or Worlds, or if you want to argue with Alex about what football is the best, shoot us shoot an us email. <laughs> shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Dr. J is going to win the Salt Lake WKO. Um, all right. Yeah, debatable. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep you guys updated. I'm, I have to be impartial, but we will talk to you all later. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. How do you feel about the common potion and any other tips for playing control teams? Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, articles, and a place to subscribe to the show so you automatically get it. Big thanks to Game Haven Sandy for giving us a place to record. If you guys live in Utah, make sure you check them out. And if not, check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. They have an awesome Dice Masters single store. Of course, thank you all for listening. Everybody on the team super, super appreciates it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor. Thank you.